This is Podflix, episode 170. I'm Nish. I'm Paul. I'm Willie. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. What's up? So uh, we are going to talk about the uh, Netflix movie Stowaway uh, shortly. Another space outing for us. Um, maybe it's the first one. I don't know. I, wa- <laughs> I, I, watch, some, I watch some space-related stuff for this uh, podcast. I can't remember we did one together but it it seems like i'm always watching space stuff but i don't want to talk about space i I have i have two things i want to talk about the first thing i want to talk about really quickly is the muppets because i don't think i don't know if we've actually talked about the muppets in detail on this podcast i don't think we've done a muppet week or anything like that sorry did we we should no yeah yeah yeah. no no i agree or at least watch i don't know some muppet movie anyway um, Charles Grodin died earlier, and I don't want to do, make this one of these, you know, oh, the poor guy died and we feel really bad about it. Although I do and we do and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to bring it up because I was really mad because I read some obituaries and Charles Grodin did a lot of things in his life. And so I understand there's a lot of stuff to mention. But there were like many obituaries that never mentioned in any way, shape or form that he was um, the one of the jewel thieves in the great Muppet caper, which is like the thing I first saw him in. Like the thing that I always go to in my head for Charles Grodin is like, Oh yeah. He's the guy who was like with miss piggy in the great Muppet caper. <laughs> and it made me think of the Muppets. And so I wanted to you know, talk about them a little bit, but do you guys, have you guys seen the great Muppet caper? Maybe I this don't was, remember it. This is the second Muppet movie. I do the, you know, after the Muppet movie, um, it's the one where they are in London and they run a hotel. Um, and, and it's also, I believe Kermit and Fozzie are brothers in the, in the movie. And, um, and then there's this diamond, which I cannot, I seen this movie a million times, but none of them since I was like 10. So like, I can't remember the details of it the way that I should. I think the diamond is called the baseball diamond, which would make sense hmm. for, uh, for the, for the Muppets. Um, there's this huge diamond that um, is being displayed, I think, in the Tower of London or in some some uh, castle or something like that. And Diana Rigg, I believe, and Charles Grodin are a brother sister thief like like cat burglar team. And they're going to uh, try to, you know, kind of steal this uh, diamond. And they u- they're using the Muppets as sort of their unwitting dupes to help them. But it, the movie was notable to me anyway, in that. Charles Grodin actually became kind of like a love interest kind of for Miss Piggy, which was interesting in itself because it was a human Muppet love thing going on there. I remember him first from that Beethoven movie. Sure. Which was later. But yeah, it's like that stretch of dog movies like Turner and Hooch. Yeah. Fucking Beethoven got mentioned a lot in his obituary for what it's really. And it's like, goddamn Beethoven. (laughs) Here's another fun Muppet thing that happened this year. Did you guys, do you guys ever, I'm sure you've heard of The Mass Singer. Have either of you ever watched it? Like a little here and there, but not really. Never. I really I, enjoy I, it. I do I'm kind sorry. of pay attention to who like the it, people Nish. are just for yeah. fun. Like just to see like, okay, like how, how ridiculous, like off the grid, like people did they get or like what? wacky people? I, I don't even know what the premise of the show is. Wow. They get really? these like 
baller costumes and they are incredibly designed costumes and there's a celebrity inside of that costume and it's essentially American Idol. They all sing a song and then somebody gets voted off and then they take the mask off so you see who the celebrity was that was singing. Right. And like they, um, the game of it is kind of that like when they're setting up the like, like, you know, if you've ever seen any of these singing competitions from, you know, whenever, like The Voice or American Idol or whatever, but it's like they always have that like package that comes before the song where they like talk about like the person or they like show them rehearsing for the song or whatever it is. So they do one of these for like these crazy costumed things, but right. like they like All disguise, clues. yeah, they That's disguise the person's is. voice so you can't tell who it is and they talk about themselves and they give clues as to who they are, but they're like really fucking esoteric clues. Like from what I from the parts I've seen, it's just kind of like, and then later on finding out who it was, and it's like, how the fuck were you supposed to get that from that? So um, is is the point to figure out who the person is? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Like like you play along at home and you try to figure out who it is. There are judges, quote unquote, and they guess who the people are too. Although they always give the most ridiculous guesses. Like they always guess people who are way 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 too famous to be on this show. <laughs> And Every the, once in a while, they get somebody really famous. Like last season, Seal was on. Yeah, but like you know, like like they'll guess like fucking like Beyonce and shit like that sometimes. <laughs> and it's like Beyonce's no, on the mass singer. It's never huh? that ridiculous. The one they yeah. always guess every season, many times a season, is Jamie Fox. Yeah. <laughs> so which which you could almost see Jamie Fox do mass singer. Like wait, like so, I, I could see him maybe just be like, what the fuck. So hold on. So there's like there's like a pool of masked singers, and then yes. one gets voted off every week. And then yep. when they get voted off, you find out who they are. Is that yep. right? Exactly. They unmask them at the end of the show, and um, yeah. So like the judges are like it's like Robin Thicke, Nicole Jenny, Scherzinger, yeah. Jenny McCarthy, and Ken Jong. Oh God. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's really it's good. Weird. weird you group. should watch it. I um, don't know. I don't know. But what I, I wanted really to say good, is but. the first singer this year that got unmasked was kermit the frog oh yeah i do remember seeing that that happened yeah now, how, how could how could you hear kermit the frog sing and not know that it's kermit the frog you know it's funny question. it's like because it's totally out of context for the show but robin thick was like this person sounds like kermit maybe it's blah 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 because they kind of sound like kermit I was like nope it was kermit <laughs> what song did he sing i don't remember <laughs> I mean, I assume it wasn't a Muppet song. No, no, no. The pop song of some sort. I have to admit that um, I, I, I've seen all the Muppet mo- movies like when I was a kid or whatever. So the the, the three when we were... It's, it's, there were a lot. Like There were the first three when we were kids, which were like the Muppet movie, Great Muppet Caper, and Muppets Take Manhattan. And yeah. then there were the ones when we got like into our teens or so, which were like Muppet Christmas Carol and like Muppets in Space, I think. I think it's called Muppets in Space. And like... Like those ones where it's like the ones after Jim Henson had passed away. Yeah, I never saw any of those. Yeah, me neither. So I saw but, the first three too, just like you did. And then there are I'm, the new, new ones. Right. I'm actually right. not a huge fan of the Muppets. I have to admit, like, which is why I haven't seen any of the other movies or the recent ones or whatever. Like, I'm, I don't know. Like, they're fine. I don't. They don't bother me. But I'm not super into them. I don't know why. Yeah. I. I mean. True, you know, yeah, truthfully, like the Muppet movie, which is the best one of them, like it's the one out of all of them, I think that like very much holds up. Is that the one with like where they like find them all or whatever, like Kermit's in the swamp and like they have to yes. get them all together? And... Yeah, yeah. And they go, they're going to Hollywood, yeah, yeah for, okay. for the audition. And it's got like a shit ton of like really fun guest stars. 
Like Charles right. Durning is the bad guy and like Dom DeLuise is like the agent in the swamp. And like you have like, That's right. like yeah. little like cameos from like Telly Savalas and like Madeline Kahn and like like crazy, like like really fun, like Mel Brooks, Steve Martin, like pop in in like little roles for like five minutes. Um, yeah, that one's that one's really, really good. And and probably and in my opinion, the funniest and most consistent. And it was like one of like two or three movies I like watched constantly as a kid. I had like these VHS tapes. I had like three VHS tapes that like I would watch when I was a kid that my parents had recorded stuff on. One of them was like the Muppet movie. One of them was Superman and Superman 2. And then like one of them was like a whole bunch of cartoons. It was like a bunch of like Smurfs cartoons and like Looney Tunes and like Tom and Jerry and Pink Panther. And so, so I like knew those cartoons by heart. Did you have the thing that I had when I was a kid? So when I was a kid, my parents recorded um, Star Wars off TV and I watched, I literally wore the tape out watching it. And to this day, like I remember where the commercial breaks are and I remember what the commercials are um, like, le- like, you know, leading into everything. Um, like it's that information is as burned into my brain as like the rest of the movie is. It's- you know what also, Paul, those tapes. This is something the kids never have to worry about. Remember when you had to adjust the tracking? Oh yeah, all the time I had to do that. So the the funny thing for those tapes is, the, my the, my father went to the trouble. They had he had a wired remote for the um, for the VCR, and when the commercials came on, he would he could pause the recording and then unpause it. Yeah. Um, but it was like a very it was like a mechanical thing when it would pause the recording, and so it would come on, and you get like this weird like static and this big yeah. yeah like it would be it would it, it right the tape would kind of like slow down and then kind of speed up again when yeah. they started um and like again all that stuff is burned burned into my brain yeah but like getting it like what what you said about like not really being a muppet person like i totally get that like i'm i like grew up like really like watching watch that movie like like I, Five times a day is an exaggeration, but it's not a huge exaggeration <laughs> from when I was like three to like when I was like eight, like, like just watch the fuck out of that movie um, and watch the other two movies a decent amount too, like when they would be on or like, I don't remember how I had them. Um, but I feel like there are Muppets who are like legitimately funny no matter what, like, like I feel like a couple like the Swedish chef or like Beaker or like, like a couple of them where it's just like, they're just funny on the face of it. They're like funny the way that like, I don't know, like the way that I would say like Bill Murray's funny, where it's like you just look at him and he's just funny kind of mm-hmm. without really saying anything. Um, and then there are ones where it's like you have to kind of get the shtick and it might not be your shtick at all. Like someone like, I don't know, like Fozzie or like th- there's like a lot of stuff with the Muppets that like lends itself to like old like vaudeville stuff or like or like cheesy jokes where the joke is that it's cheesy to some extent and right. things like that. And then there are Muppets who like aren't really my cup of tea either. Like, I've never been a huge, like, Gonzo fan, for instance. There are moments that I like him, but he's definitely not my favorite, and he's one of the main Muppets. So it's like whenever, like, it's a thing with him, I'm a little bit like, yeah, all right. So, so, so yeah, I, I totally get it. And I, you know, I totally would understand, like, anybody or, or like, playing it for kids now and then being like, yeah, like I don't not, not really my thing. We, I mean, we showed my kid the Muppet movie, which is why... I, I remember it at all. Right, right. Um, I mean, she liked it, but she has not asked for any more Muppet stuff right. since then. Yeah. That one has the best songs, too, I would probably say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Rainbow Connection, obviously, and then Moving Right Along is a really good one, and a couple other ones, too, that are good. 
Will, you have any uh, Muppet stories or anything like that from being a kid or anything? We were two two Muppets things. Number one, um, I was not a big Muppet movie fan, but um, the, our VHS, H, uh, VHS tapes that we were recorded heavily on was the Muppet show. Yeah. So, I mean, my parents loved Kenny Rogers and that episode. I must have seen. I've seen that episode. Times, I've been, yeah. Or, or at least I've seen like the gambler where they where they do the gambler and they're in the train and all that. Yeah. Uh, my Muppet show was great. And then I believe it was my daughter's second movie I took her to was the most recent Muppet movie with Jason Siegel. And it yeah. was bad. Yeah, there were part there were like jokes in it I thought were funny, but like overall I was like, yeah, I don't really like this. And I like she Jason Siegel and I yeah, like the Muppets. Too. So me too. Yeah. And uh, she was that age where she was very like almost overly empathetic, and there was a lot of sad parts in that movie. And she was yeah, just like cry. Right. She was like crying in the movie over oh, and no. over and over again. Oh. I'm like, oh my god, this is off the rails. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there's like one or two really good jokes in that movie. And then otherwise, I, I agree. It was like a little bit like this isn't really like getting me the way that the old Muppet movies did. Like like we, uh, what they're trying to do, either either it just doesn't hit me anymore because of nostalgia or I feel like it's not hitting like the where the Muppets kind of should hit uh, for me. Are there multiple new ones? There are there. There are two new movies. There was Muppet, the Muppets which is the one that Willie's talking about. Um, and then there was Muppets Most Wanted, which I think also has Jason Segel in it, but that's the one where they're like, it's like more of like a spy movie kind of thing. It's it's a sillier one than um, than the first reboot movie. I also liked the Muppet Babies cartoon. I loved Muppet Babies. <laughs> I Man, remember Muppet Babies. Song. Yeah, they had a really good theme song. Yeah, Muppet Babies was awesome. There was something Beaker I was... was kind of the star of that show, by the way. Yeah, well, there were, but yeah, there there was, but Beaker stole that show. The weird thing with Muppet Babies, well, there's probably a lot of weird things with Muppet Babies, but totally weird. Even the premise is weird. Yes, it, it was. But um, one thing that strikes me as really weird is Skeeter. You remember Skeeter from Muppet Babies? She didn't yeah. exist, right? She wasn't like a Muppet. Like they just like made her up for the show, right? I think I don't ever remember seeing her as a Muppet, a, a female version of Scooter. Gotta sell some fucking toys. Yeah, no, it's fair. They probably were like, we only have one female character. We probably need another. Uh, so yeah. I get it. I, I totally get it. But it was definitely like, it was weird to watch that and kind of be aware when I was watching it that it's like, I don't remember this one from the movies the way that I remember every other character from the movies as like a kid. I do still remember the theme song, which I will not regale you with, but please Aww, do it. I remember do it very it. well. Do it. Not doing it. <laughs> the uh, the voice of uh, you, you guys remember Muppet Babies. There was Nanny. So I'm not looking this up now, so I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the voice of Nanny, who I think you only ever saw her like socks and shoes because she was an adult. Um, mm-hmm. The voice of Nanny, I believe, was like Barbara Billingsley, the the mom from Leave It to Beaver. I oh, think. Nice. Yeah. Kind of kind good, of random. Good, good casting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of, kind of fits really well. All right, there's, we'll, 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 we'll put a pin in the Muppets for now. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have more Muppet, Muppet related uh, banter in future episodes, in with our regular <laughs> recurring feature, Muppet Corner. Um, 
But before we do that, um, we a little while ago talked about Knives Out and um, we all liked it. I believe at the time that we did the episode for the, the mini flicks, me and Paul had seen it. And then in a subsequent episode, Willie, you mentioned you had seen it and also really liked it. Um, so um, as we probably know, we might have talked about this on the show. I can't remember. Netflix paid a shit ton of money um for the rights to knives out two and knives out three or whatever the fuck they're going to be called knives out some more knives in who knows um but basically two sequels to knives out that we don't know what exactly the premise is but the idea is that they would be completely new casts except for daniel craig uh reprising his role as ben wablanc the detective so they've announced some of the casting over the last uh week or so uh, or, to, or a couple weeks, they've announced some of the casting for uh, the second Knives Out movie, and uh, it's a pretty fun cast so far. I think the the people that they have uh, pulled into this one. Um, Can I tell you the big. person I'm most excited about? Sure, sure. Uh, David Bautista. I thought you were going to say Dave Bautista. Yeah, I agree. I think. I mean, Dave Bautista is a fucking funny guy. Is, you know, he's one great in almost everything. I yeah. don't know why. And maybe he will be at some point. I don't know why he's not as famous as The Rock yet. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, The Rock has been in a lot of movies. I feel like that's the thing you f- we forget is like it like he's obviously super, super, super fucking famous. And he was famous before. One thing is he was more famous than Dave Bautista before he became a movie star. I'm, I'm saying more famous. I'm not saying no one knew who Dave Bautista was, but even as a wrestler. The Rock was more famous sure. at, at the time. So, like, he had that going for him, too. But, like, he was in a ton of, like, you know, like, that fucking Tooth Fairy movie or whatever the fuck it is. And, like, <laughs> that, that like, there's some movie where he's a lawyer. And, like, like he was in some weird movies that, like, were not really so great before, like, he actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, took, it took him a minute to get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he paid his dues. Yeah, whereas Dave Bautista has actually been in some pretty good shit, like, right off the bat. Or, or at least, like, big time shit. Like, I don't know if you think Spectre was good or not, but he was in it. And, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, obviously. I saw a movie with him recently where he, like, hijacks an Uber driver. Yeah, the one with uh, Kumail Nanjiani, right? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. Isn't it called, like, Stuber or something like that? Yeah, 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 Yeah. Stuber. (laughs) Really weird name. That's a a terrible name. Because I think his name or the other guy's name is Stu. Is is that why? Right. I mean, look, the movie is remarkably stupid and remarkably watchable both at the same time that's fair i i i I could see that all right so the the people who have been cast in knives out 2 um besides obviously daniel craig and dave bautista um are i think um i'm trying to i'm forgetting one person or two yeah okay so it's the two of them plus uh catherine han who we've most awesome. recently talked about from WandaVision. Edward Norton. Awesome. Uh, Janelle Monet. Also awesome. Well, and, here comes Paul's favorite. Right. <laughs> and uh, I'm losing it. And Leslie Odom Jr. Never heard of him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Le- Leslie Odom Jr., I believe, was the most recent casting they announced a day or two ago uh, as we are recording this. Um but yeah, that is that is quite the cast. And and like you said, it's kind of uniformly people who you're like, oh, that's awesome. Like when you hear that they're going to be in the in the movie, it's like that is great. Like for every single one of those people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 
it's it's good because I mean that was a strength of you know one of the strengths of the first movie. Obviously, the plotting, the the writing, and sort of the intricate plotting and kind of the way it worked really well was really good too. But you know, it had a hell of a cast in terms of everyone who was you know in different uh you know parts of it. Um, and and everybody did a great job. My um I finally got my parents to watch it um when they were here recently. I'd I'd been trying to get them to watch it for a while, but it just kind of hadn't worked out. It wasn't that they weren't receptive. It was just you know, it, it just, they didn't, I, cause I kind of told him, I was like, mm, you gotta like be able to like sit down and watch to like enjoy it. Like you can't just kind of have it on in the background or anything like that. It's not going to work um, that way, but they finally watched it. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, they really liked that it. it was, you know, right in their wheelhouse for like that kind of like, in terms of like, you know, it's, it's funny and it's clever and it's got that whole murder mystery thing going. Um, and I don't think they'd ever seen Chris Evans cause they don't watch the Marvel movies. Um, but they really like Chris Evans in it. And I was like, yeah, he's great. And they're like, who, like what other stuff has he been? in?" I was like, well, he's Captain America. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> um, you know, Batista is going to be in this new Zack Snyder movie that comes out next week, maybe. Yeah. Army of the dead, which so also has a, has a really weird cast. Maybe that's the movie where he like pops into like a little more pop culture main mainstream. Could be, uh, could, could definitely be. I, I remember, uh, there was a thing going around on the internet that, um, his involvement in that movie in army of the dead was why he couldn't be in the James Gunn reboot of the suicide squad. Um, cause I think James Gunn had wanted him to be in it. Um, you know, cause they worked together on guardians of the galaxy. Um, but it was going to be like a smaller part. It was almost going to be like a cameo or like one of the team or something. And, you know, Dave Bautista was basically like, I love working with James Gunn, but like this other movie was like, I'm one of the lead, like I have a much bigger part. So obviously I would like to do that. So I'm looking at the, uh, the IMDb cast for Knives Out, and it says here, sorted by IMDb star meter, which I don't know what that is. Oh, God. But the order is David Bautista, Daniel Craig, Catherine Hahn, then Edward Norton. Yeah, interesting. I mean, are they saying that David Bautista is a bigger star than Daniel Craig is? That seems dubious their at best. Meter. <laughs> yeah, I... I'm surprised. I mean, I mean, I wonder how that works because some of like I could see them being higher than Edward Norton, even though not that they're a bigger star, but like a lot of those people have had like bigger projects more recently. Yeah, but like I don't really get, but I don't really feel like you can say that about Dave Bautista versus Daniel Craig. I mean, Daniel Craig is you know he's fucking James Bond, right? Like so, my parents know who Daniel Craig is; they would have no idea who Dave Bautista is, right? Not that they're a good barometer for Hollywood star power. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I I googled it. What is the what is the IMDb star <laughs> meter? And I, like I got one of those like people also ask like question things, and it's like what is the IMDb star meter meaning? Here's what it says: the star meter is a ranking system on IMDb, and it is updated weekly. The ranking system was created and is managed by IMDb, and they alone determine how every movie and actor are ranked based on a complicated equation. And then it says each time someone visits a person's IMDb page, it has a positive effect on that person's star meter. So that's part of it, I guess. Is that's, just oh, yeah. oh well, that makes a lot of sense then because like it 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 pushed all the Marvel people up high on the list, and those would be the kind of nerds who would go to IMDb and click on right those names, right? Right. I, it's I basically agree. Google page rank, but for IMDb, but internal only, right? Yeah. That's weird. 
Yeah, because I, I assumed, like, no offense to Catherine Hahn, I mean, she's great in a lot of stuff, but I assumed she was higher than Edward Norton, like, because of WandaVision, basically, like, being very, very recently out and, you know, people and her being kind of like the breakout person from that, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, I'm sure. If only Norton had stayed the Hulk, maybe he'd be at the top of the list. Man, Man. that would have been weird. It would have, right? It's weird to remember that and then... Yeah, it's just weird to remember to like think of him being in all of the same movies, but like it being Edward Norton instead of Mark Ruffalo. I, I was thinking about that recently when when I rewatched the first Avengers movie, and I was just trying to imagine what Edward Norton in that role would be like. Right, it just it just, it just was, doesn't seem like it could have worked. Or alternately, like how would the how you know if you were a I'm most it's easy to not remember it, but if you remember the first Incredible Hulk movie, or the you know, you know what I mean, the Incredible Hulk, the one with Edward Norton, they were setting the Hulk up to be the bad guy for the Avengers movie. Like the 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 post credit scene has Robert Downey Jr. entering a bar and talking to um, General Ross, uh, William Hurt, about like kind of like talking about like you know the Hulk is sort of a problem in his own Tony Stark way, and mm-hmm. and the original idea I've read this somewhere that the early idea was to have like the Hulk be I mean not actually a bad guy but but kind of the antagonist that they're trying to like subdue in the first in the first Avengers film that they were going to have to come together to kind of like corral the Hulk and then they kind of moved away from that and I'm glad they did I think I think that would have yeah. been weird that, that would have been weird yeah plus I mean the first Avengers movie has you know kind of like one of the only good villains they had until like well into the MCU being Loki. So one of the only ones who's lasted and whose TV show is starting in a couple weeks. That one I'm excited for. Yes, I'm very excited for that. That one looks I, fucking cool. I have no idea what to expect, but I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a it like WandaVision, but in a very different way. It is like kind of batshit insane looking. <laughs> That's yeah. what I go for in my TV shows. Batshit craziness. Yeah, it's it's, you know. For a comic book TV show, I mean, that's that's a large part of what comics can deliver. And, you know, it's hard to translate that well. And But I, I, it looks really good. So I am looking forward to it. All right. Let us talk about the movie that we watched. I, I had thought before we started this episode about referring to it as Stowaway and seeing how long I could do it before you guys just... <laughs> Just like called me out on it, but then I thought that I would be I would be unable to do that without laughing myself. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. Okay, uh, we watched as I said, uh, 2021's uh, movie uh, Stowaway. Uh, this is on Netflix. It was directed by Joe Penna, uh, who I don't really know anything about, um, and it stars um, Anna Kendrick, Daniel Day Kim, Tony Collette and Shamir Anderson, and they are basically the only four people in this movie. Um, yep. In fact, they are. I, I think they're literally the only four people, not even basically. They are the only four people you see in the entire movie. Um, and basically, the, uh, the, the premise of the movie is that um, there's a three-man crew who is on a mission to Mars. At some point in the future, there's like a Mars colony. Um, it's a two-year mission um, to Mars, I think six months of flying time or so. Um, and then they'll spend a year on Mars and then six months back. And after they take off, not too long after taking off, I think 12 hours or so after taking off, maybe even less, um, they find that there is another person on the ship who is the titular stowaway 
um, basically a a launch support engineer um, who basically got knocked out and was like kind of like in a panel and is like badly injured. And then the movie progresses from there. Basically, it becomes kind of a survival movie uh, because they are on a spaceship built to accommodate three people and there are now four people. And um, and, you know, basically they encounter various setbacks and problems and stuff that they have to kind of get into. I won't go further than that for now. So um, this movie, um, and I don't mean this in a good or bad way. I just mean this in a true way. Like this obviously is a space movie. And I feel like I don't think I realize just how like much I like or am interested in space movies like this until I was watching this and thought of other movies that different parts reminded me of. And then it like thought like, man, I've watched those movies a lot of times. And it's like, this is kind of a, you know, a movie that I'm predisposed to like be into or this kind of movie in a way that I didn't quite realize. Um, But this movie reminded me of a lot of different movies and it felt like explicitly like some of the script was taking things from different movies that have come out over time. And and just to, to name a few that I thought like, you know, some of the, um, some of the most important parts of the movie plot wise center around the fact of, of not enough oxygen and also the need to scrub CO2 uh, carbon dioxide from the air so that they don't asphyxiate on the carbon dioxide, which is one of the main plot points in Apollo 13. Um, the climax of the movie, which takes place outside, uh, you know, as, as a, a, an EVA a spacewalk um, to uh, in that in that case, gather oxygen has a like reminds me very much of the opening scene of gravity uh, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and then um, there's a not a subplot, but another part where one of the people on the on the uh, um, ship is a biologist and um, he is trying to grow algae. Uh, basically, it's it's what he was supposed to do on Mars, but he's trying to do it now to kind of create more oxygen and scrub more CO2. And just the whole idea of kind of botany on a in, in space reminded me of The Martian to some extent. Um, it, not exactly the same thing, but, you know, there aren't that many movies that deal with that have that as kind of a major plot element. Um, and there are a couple other things I could go into, but those those are ones that kind of a, a, occurred to me. So I guess a question that I have is, did you guys feel when you were watching this um, like, oh, yeah, this is very reminiscent of a lot of other or like a pastiche of other movies that you've seen? In a way, I would say. I mean, I would phrase it slightly differently than that. And in, in so far as like this, there, I feel like there's a lot of movies that are space movies that are set in the sometime in the not very distant future. Yeah. Um, and you know that I feel like is. I was going to use the term lazy, but I, I don't know how I feel about that as a setting because it's like, oh, look, it's realistic, but we can like MacGuffin our way out of certain things because, look, we have a little bit of advanced technology to get around certain problems, um, which, you know, I don't necessarily totally love, um, but but for whatever reason, and maybe maybe that description is the reason, There, I feel like there's a lot of movies that are set like in that nondescript, semi-near future. Um, and in that way, like it felt very generic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, to me, the, the biggest parallel as far as look, feel. Like I have a note here, which I think will make sense. is like that opening scene as they're taking off, going into space. It's the special effects. 
the first thing that crossed my mind that was like, oh, this looks really good. Oh, yeah. We've like figured out how to film space movies now. Like it felt. But in particular, you and I, Nish, actually just saw something with almost the exact same name called Away instead of Stowaway. Yes. And yeah, that, that was another one I was going to mention. We did, you know, we did a mini flicks about this a while ago. But yeah, that also concerns a mission to Mars. Um, you know, it and it, you know, it's a it has a diverse crew. There's a spacewalk that has to happen to solve a problem like a, a couple times. So, yeah, definitely that one also. It looked like it too. it's the, also the a way... Netflix. I mean, this is a this is a movie on Netflix, but that was and that was a show on Netflix. So I thought the look I thought the look and feel of the movie was very, very similar. Yeah. Or similar. You know? Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so um, the. What did you guys think about? So we, we kind of started talking about this a little bit in, in in what you answered, but how do you feel like the realism was overall of like kind of a space? Not not in terms of the plot necessarily, and and like how realistic what happened is, but more of did it feel realistic in terms of like this is how kind of a you know a manned space mission would be. You, you don't mind if I go first, Paul. What, what I thought was a little different, which I thought felt might be more realistic, is most other movies, there's like when crisis happens, there's like a fucking meltdown and people are arguing and everything. Like it, some space movies tend to get very melodramatic, a little, a, a little overly dramatic. And um, there was like no infighting in the crew here. I mean, there was kind of debate and eventually it led to some strong opinions. But in the end, like the, to me, that's what it would seem like it should be. It was like very functional line of line of command here. And, event, and even if you express your opinion, like you were going to say, yes, commander in the end, which I feel like that has to be that way. Because every mean, other movie except that like doesn't some... except that doesn't happen in this movie, right? Kind of. Commander well, Benz. I mean, one of the biggest plot points of the movie is someone disobeying a direct order sure that is true yeah um, but 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 i do agree I, I i i do agree with you willie in that like the only time that there is like a lot of that kind of drama and it's not even as much as you see in other movies is basically when they're arguing over whether to kill someone or not which is you know i mean kind of a legitimate time when you think that there would be if one person was basically like, we can't kill this person and the other person is like, we have to or else we'll all die. Like, you know, that's that's it's hard to have a reasoned conversation about that um, to any degree. I, I yeah, I, I so, so so I definitely see what you're saying, Willie. What do you what do you if think? This was more, if this was more of like an 80s movie or a 90s movie, the bad cast, the bad crew member would have just killed him. Right. There would have been. Yeah. And there There'd is no like drama around that. Right, that right, right. And there is no bad crew member in this movie. Right. Well, well, what are the, what are what are like the three archetypes they say of a movie? There's like you know man versus himself, man versus man, and like man versus nature. And this is like a man versus nature movie. Very right? much man versus nature. Yes. Um. So you know there isn't a lot of interpersonal fighting. I I think that the I think that it's very interesting in this movie. The things that I feel like they got. I feel like they got a lot of the little stuff felt very realistic to me, and a lot of the big stuff super didn't. Um, yeah, which well, which I which I think is interesting. Like, like what big stuff? That was that was actually that that's a better way to ask the question that I was asking when I was saying like not really the plot or like stuff like that. I I meant like did the overall feel of it feel like 
feel like a real space mission. And I think that is the little stuff that you're talking about where it's like, I, I thought one thing they did really well was like the way they communicated over their comms, the jargon that was used, like in the beginning of using like, you know, like MST and like all these like different, like, yeah, I'm saying acronyms the same thing. and like, stuff. Yeah, this was like that right. was my take. It was like, oh, we know how to like people know how to make space movies now. Right, right, and and it felt very like, like you said, like you you got a good sense early on that it's like, yeah, like these are people who have trained for years and like they're very much like like you said like like it's everything's going to be like like yes sir yes commander like up up to the point that it really can't be. But what's the big stuff, Paul, that you didn't like? Yeah, sure. So like, um. They so the, the the carbon dioxide scrubbing machine breaks, um, and they basically pull it out, and it's the thing. It's like the size of a briefcase, and they're like, "Well, we only have one," and it's like, "No, that's not how this works." Like all critical systems on spaceships like have redundancies, like for this exact reason. Like they basically created a scenario where it's like, if this thing breaks, we all die, and it's right. like, and, and it's small, think, uh, and we're not going to give you another one. You would think a life support machine in particular would have. Right. Like even the, even like, um, even like our current international space station has a backup, you know, CO2 scrubber that they can use if they need to. Right. Um, and so that's like, like, and, and why do I bring that up? It's like, they could have contrived, I think with a little bit more effort, a bigger problem that they couldn't easily solve, but they kind of didn't go through the effort. The other, the other thing is, and this gets into spoiler territory a little bit is towards or, or a lot, I guess, towards the end, um, they're trying to get tanks of liquid oxygen. And um, one of the characters basically like um, makes a mistake and loses the tank. And it's like it's all predicated on the fact that like during her EVA, she has this tank that is she's just holding on to it and it's not clipped to her or to the station in any way, shape or form so that if she happens to lose her grip it floats off in the space and it's just like that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen because no, like- I, 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 I totally agree. Like I, um, you mentioned away, Willie, right. As, and, and I couldn't help but thinking of, of away when we were doing this. So in, in the show away, there are numerous episodes. It almost got to be too much, maybe, although they were the best parts of each episode where they have to do these impromptu spacewalks to like fix something or go out and do something on the ship, um, to, to kind of ensure their survival. And every time they do, they tether like they they have a clip like a carabiner, but like obviously like more solid than that. And they clip onto the ship and they clip like and then they'll like unclip one and clip another. And that's how they move on the ship. And it was like crazy to me that they had nothing like that in right. this in this like when they were doing the spacewalk it's like holy crap like they're literally just holding on to this tether that and a, a, a different tether than what i was talking about before they hold on to this like this long thing that is tethering the ship to like the solar array and then the solar array to the rocket that's basically you know sending them along i guess or like or like helping them like well it's, it's, a, it's, it's doing the orbital motion right it's it's the counterweight it's the counterweight yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. sorry sorry yeah, yeah. it's it's it, yeah it's it's heavy and it's the counterweight uh so is that why the rope fell? That was my other question. Is they're in space and he's dropping the rope down. I have so many oh, questions about this. To, to, to haul up the oxygen. I'm like, why does the rope fall? Shouldn't that just be like floating in well, fucking space? Yeah, because it's the counterweight. So they're that <sighs> that other end. So basically what happens is there's the, the um, habitat module at one end. And then there's the rocket they flew up on at the other end. And those two things are spinning around a center point 
of solar panels. So when they need to get to that rocket to try to get the liquid oxygen, they have to go along the tether that's linking all that together. So when they get to the middle where the solar panels are, they're at no gravity. And, and as they start to get back to the rocket, they begin to experience gravity again until they get to the rocket itself. They're back at like regular gravity, you know, Earth normal gravity again, so which the, is why there's gravity at that end. The part I didn't quite get, and and this is this is not necessarily a mistake. This is like me not getting it. But like in terms of what you were just saying, Paul, does that literally mean like so like at the end, like not or when they're trying to get those oxygen tanks, right? So Anna Kendrick's character, Zoe, is like down in the like she's in the the um tank in, in in the rocket, like in in the tank trying to get the liquid oxygen. Yep. And then Daniel Day Kim's character, David, is um up on top of the the Kingfisher, the 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 big rocket, and he's just standing there. Just standing there. And it's like, I, I guess what I didn't like get at some points is it's like, so I know there's no up or down, obviously, to some extent, but like, does it mean the gravity like like the way he was standing on that made me feel like it's like, what is like, where is, what is anchoring him right now? Like it feels like he is standing on that as though the Kingfisher itself is the source of the gravity that's pulling him down. But is that really true? So that well, like, even if he's up upside down, like basically he'll just always be like able to stand on the Kingfisher as it like goes around and around. Like, it, right. It was, that's exactly right. It's, it's centripetal force. Like, so like, if you think of like, the, if you think of, um, remember 2001 where the flight attendant walks around the plane. Yeah. Um, it's like the same kind of thing where like up is always into the center where the solar array is that's up and down is away from the solar array. So as that thing spins around, if your head is towards the solar array and your feet are away from it, you are standing up essentially. Right. But maybe, maybe I have this wrong. I could, to be fair, but like, where was the tether? Act? So like, I'm, I'm, this is going to be great podcasting because I'm going to yeah. be showing you guys stuff. Um, so it's like you have the solar <laughs> array and then there's the tether going out to the Kingfisher. And yep. then I can't remember, like when it hits the Kingfisher, is that like one end of the Kingfisher and then it kind of goes off like that? Or is yeah, it? So there was, there was a shot at the beginning where they dock with this. I forget what the name of the ship is. Um, MTS yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember they, either. Yeah. They, they dock with it. And then you see the Kingfisher do like a vertical landing to become the counterweight. So it, so eff- effectively, the bottom of the rocket is what he's standing on. So the, the ship, the, the rocket is pointing straight out. Okay. Uh, parallel to the tether. Okay. Got it. Okay. That makes but a little I, more I, that, that 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 makes a little more sense, but I felt like I like couldn't I like couldn't figure it out at times like why they were yeah, able to and walk I'll, the way they were walking. And I'll admit, like it's not totally clear. And that gets to one of the things about the movie that I think I mostly like, but like there is no point of view character. There is no audience. No. There is no audience surrogate. Like there's no one to get the stuff explained to. And it's like, well, right. the astronauts all know how this works. Right. You you so, would think Michael the the stowaway would be the audience surrogate, but they really don't use him that way. Like they they, they no. show the the other characters teaching him stuff, but they don't actually like go into the details of what he's being taught. Like they just like show little snippets of things. Right. And and he was a you know ground control specialist. Like he knows how right. a lot of this stuff works. He doesn't need it explained to him. Right. That's true. So so we just don't get stuff explained to us. Um, again, which some of it I like and some of it can, can go too far. And, and and it seems like this is a situation where like, well, on top of that, and this is actually something I really liked was, um, 
when they were talking to ground control, what's the name of the um, Hyperion? Hyperion. Hyperion. When they were talking to Hyperion, which is like the one- name of a villain corporation, if I've ever heard of one. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. But it was a one-way conversation. You wouldn't hear what Hyperion was saying, which some of that I thought was great. It was almost my. It was basically monologues they were giving because you would not hear or have any clue what Hyperion was saying in their earpieces. You just see what the astronauts were saying to them. Right. Right. So yeah, they definitely they- no audience surrogate there either. I actually I liked that decision actually a fair amount to like not ever have you hear what mission control is saying and just only hear the reactions of the of the crew for i don't i can't really say why i liked it but i i maybe just because it's different different to some extent it really did put the focus on the crew in the way that none of like some of those other i mean some of those other movies don't that i mentioned at the beginning don't really work the same way but like you know apollo 13 and the martian definitely do and with those you are like half with the crew, half with mission control the whole time in both those movies. And this one, it's definitely not that way. You're with the crew the whole time. Can I ask a dumb question? Mm-hmm. Is Tony Collette British? She's Australian. I had no idea. I think she's Australian. Please don't say she's from New Zealand. It would be bad if I got those mixed up for all of our Australian and New Zealand. I think every listeners. other film I've seen her and she's just had a bland American accent. Right. But yeah, she had her, she was, she had her normal voice this time. <laughs> She was yes, great. She's Australian. Australian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, she was, she was, she was uh, really good. There's one other thing. I, I want to finish talking about stuff that bothered me about the movie before we circle back and talk about the cast, which did not bother me. And so that's why. And, and I, I think they were a large part of what worked about this movie. Um, the big thing that bothered me about this movie <laughs> more than anything else is. I think. I think it's the last thing that bothers me too about this yeah. movie. Guys. It's it's the stowing away in, in yes. like so many ways. Like first of all, like first of all, like how would that happen? How would they fit not into that? A person doesn't fit into the space that they show you. And it was bolted shut. Like From how did he get outside. in there? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like he that 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 means that he got in there and someone bolted him, bolted that panel in and didn't see him. Like how was he there? Like there's a hell of a prequel movie around this where we yes. find out how he ended up in there. <laughs> yeah, how did, he, how did he survive? Yes, like all of that. I mean, I, at least the how did they survive? They lampshade a little bit by having uh, Anna Kendrick say like I'm surprised he's still alive. Like like when they like find him, but like I I just can't like. That is the one part more than anything else where it's just like, I cannot come up with an explanation for how that would, how that would possibly happen. Yeah, that that was completely and utterly bonkers to me. Like, I, yeah. like even at the time when I saw this shot, I was like, I don't understand what just happened. Like a person just appeared and I don't know where they came from. And then like they showed that panel where he was because like basically he's where the um, carbon dioxide scrubber is and I guess damages it by being in there somehow right um and they so they spend time in there and you're just like a person can't fit in here like this is not like a closet there's and they never do explain what happened like they ask him what happened and he kind of can't remember because he had a concussion he like explains a little bit like he's like oh i was doing this and then i don't remember and then they like they never come back to that because other things become more important obviously like them surviving but it's like you never get an answer as to like how did you get in there like how is it possible (laughs) Yeah, and like the only way it seemed possible is if he were intentionally in there to sabotage or to like really stow away, which they make clear later on is not the case. Like he, he really seems like just a great guy who like just ended up there and, you know, 
you know, feels really bad about it and everything. But yeah, I just could not. I I'm, I don't want to say that it, it, it didn't like ruin the movie or anything, but it definitely was the one part where it's like I can like other parts of this movie that I'm not quite sure about. I can like kind of get past and be like, yeah, OK, like the, the, the not being like connected to the spaceship was a little much too. Uh, when they were outside but like this was one where it was just like I don't know like I can't figure out like how this would happen at all are, are we supposed to meet we mentioned Hyperion before so is the idea here that like because I I assumed because they mentioned Hyperion and then they ask him if he's employed by Hyperion so Hyperion is a private company like a la SpaceX that is like doing this however like SpaceX like expeditions like are like jointly with NASA, right? Like, like that, that is my understanding of how that right. works. But like, you're not, they're talking only to Hyperion here. They never say Houston or like NASA mission control or anything like that. Like, so I assume in this future, like it has become entirely privatized. Like that's, that was my assumption too. Yeah. They don't really go but into I, that. And I guess it's not that important, but right. And, and you know, you, you know, you mentioned the stowayness and like, I kept waiting like it it was weird enough and jarring enough that that like i kept thinking about it and i, and I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop about that guy right which there was no other shoe right, right. it wasn't and that then, kind of movie but and i and i felt the same way about hyperion like i i was waiting to learn that it's like you know they're uh, really they're really wayland yutani yeah like, the, <laughs> exactly right they're wayland yutani situation here like where they're gonna and and like nothing ever came of that either and it's it, it and like it felt it just those things felt weird like they kind of i don't know I, I don't know if there was like a bigger movie here that got cut down or what but it was like but for for those for that big stuff it did feel like they're just like well we just want these things to happen and we're not going to like think about them too hard um so we're just going to make them happen right. and you know people go along with it which that yeah like 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 the stowaway like the clipping in like like you know like all that stuff and and the little stuff that they get right like that i totally buy is like there's at one point there's a conversation where they say like listen this was designed for two people and they stripped it out and and they're able to stretch it into three but there's no way it can hold four and it's like all right like that's an that's an argument i can buy like why they can't absorb one more person like, that yeah. makes sense yeah i, I um, agree and that's ex that's an example of like the little and the oh and the other thing uh, the last thing um, before we get to the more positive stuff that I did want to bring up is at the end, there's a coronal mass ejection right. that fucks things up. Right. That is an incredibly rare solar event. Yes. Um, it happened. They happen like once every couple of years um, and just like incredibly dangerous thing just happens to happen like right then and during during the hour and a half or whatever when they're like right. it out was there like, like yeah. however long however long it is like i know they're doing it slow the first time so i you know it's probably a couple hours but like still like so yeah 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 no, i agree so, that like there were af after i watched the movie i i looked at some reviews and also looked at some like comments from people who had watched the movie on online and some people were talking about like, ah, like, you know, there's a lot of contrivance in this. And it's like, I didn't buy most of it as contrivance. Like, it, it was just bad shit that happened, which could very well happen. You're in fucking space. Like, things will go wrong a lot of the time. Like, Apollo 13 is a true fucking story. Like, that shit yeah. did happen. So, you know, you know, and like, we've had space shuttles, unfortunately, explode, you know, like, think things like that. But yeah, that one was like a little bit like this external event that it's like, you know, you don't have a warning with a coronal mass ejection, as far as I know. So it's like it, I obviously buy that they wouldn't know it was coming, 
or anything, but it does feel like, wow, that is a coincidence. Like that is some coincidence that that's happening right now. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, even today, like we know we have at least hours, if not days of warning. Right. And they had like minutes in right. the future, but right. The, the, the thing of it is all of these things, like they didn't need these contrived things for the plot to happen. Like, there, there are other ways these things could have happened that wouldn't have felt like, well, that seems crazy. Um, and that's that's like the disappointing thing. Like sometimes you need the contrivance to get the plot to do what you want. And in this case, you kind of don't. Like there are more plausible explanations that could have gotten you to the same place. And right. it just felt like they didn't bother for whatever reason. So Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about what we liked about this movie. Yes, let's 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 talk about what, what we liked. So so one of the things that I mentioned was the cast. So again, like I said, it is really just four people in this in this movie, four actors. Um, and I thought they were uniformly quite good. Um, the the you know, if if I were to single out one, it might be Daniel Day Kim for me. Uh, I thought he had a he, he had a hard part to to do. Um, he's he's kind of this. He's a he's a very reticent sort of character, which fits with Daniel Day Kim, at least as we know him from Lost. Um, but um, he's, you know, he 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 builds a bond with Michael, the, the stowaway, and then has to kind of also be the pragmatic one in certain ways later on and has to kind of walk this line between basically saying, like, we have to do this and then also show how torn up he is about it at the same time in, in different parts. And I thought he did that quite well. Um, and, um, I, I felt like I, I really felt his, his turmoil at, at what he, at what had to happen and his anguish at kind of what happens towards the end of the movie, uh, as well. So I thought he was, uh, really good. Willie, who did you like the most or, or like a lot in this? I'm having my tough, a tough time putting my, uh, my finger on who I liked the most. Mm -hmm. What, what are my notes I wrote down? 30 minutes into the movie, I was like, oh, there's Anna Kendrick playing Anna Kendrick. Uh, and it didn't pan out that way. Actually. No, it didn't. Well, early, early on, right. it feels that way, where it's like bubbly, right. bubbly Anna Kendrick kind of thing, like and, when she's having fun. And one of the things that it, like, it dawned on me before the end of the movie is that all the other movies Anna Kendrick has been in, her character has to go through some type of trial or tribulation and she never looks tired. She never actually looks ragged. She always just looks like Anna Kendrick. She actually gets beat up pretty good in this movie. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> like I'm in, not just like in the end. Like she, she had some far more emotional range than I've ever seen from her before. So I thought she was quite good. Um, I really like Tony Collette as well. Although, in some respects, like. She doesn't fit the mold of the normal captain, right? Normally, the captain is just a tough ass, male or female, in any space movie. And she's the one that actually kind of broke down the hardest at the end emotionally. So, I don't know. They were all very, very good. The, to, to me, the acting and the and the characters was the best part of the movie. The plot, I actually, I do have big beasts with some a lot of the plot. And my biggest beef is the end of the movie, which we should talk about is that at the end of our review here. Sure. What about? So, yeah, they all kind of they all kind of are great. You know, I like Jin. Yeah. <laughs> and can I just point out? I don't know how old that guy is. He could be 
30, 50, or 60, he is still jacked and handsome as fuck. He is, yeah. I will, uh, I'll tell you in a second how old he is. He's uh, 52. Oh, man, I hope I look as good as him when I'm 52. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm 42 and I don't look as good as he does. <laughs> <laughs> so what do, what do you think, uh, Paul, in terms of the acting? Um, I thought it was universal. Um, uniformly really good I think and I think Anna Kendrick had the least interesting character to play um, because it it, it was just a character with the least amount of nuance right right Um, she was just kind of the the the, you know the quote-unquote boy scout or whatever of the group that you know the 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 strong moral compass no matter what um, kind of thing Um, so it it made her like a little bit one note Um, you know I thought um, but but still, you know, I I thought she was good. The one thing I thought, and maybe this was just me, but I did think that maybe Daniel Day Kim and Anna Kendrick had too much chemistry together because, especially at the beginning, I was like, I was like, are they flirting? Is something going on? Like, is is like, are they like having an affair here or something? And like, nothing right. ever came of it. But they just. I mean, I, I guess it just happens sometimes. Like two actors just have like have a lot of chemistry together, and and they did, which um, you know really stuck out to me at the time. Hmm. I felt that way that Anna Kendrick and Michael were going to hook up. Yeah. I, so so talking a little bit about Michael Shamir Anderson because he's the one I did not know at all. How to you know yeah. the the other three you've seen in a decent amount of stuff, and he's been in some stuff, but not nothing that I've seen. Um, and nothing like hugely high profile either. Um, but I thought like so his character, I thought his character towards the end got lost a little bit. Like his his when his character had the most to do, it, it was basically from when they find him as a stowaway through, I think, when, you know, the whole drama about whether he should, um, you know, basically end his life or not to to save the rest of the crew happens, which is about, you know, a little more than midway through the movie. Um, but I think he, he has a couple of really good scenes kind of in there. I think that, that show, and, and I really liked, um, when they first, when he first wakes up, I, I felt like that was a very believable reaction of like being disoriented and then finding out you're in fucking space on this two year mission. And you have, you know, they, they never say quite what happens, but you know, they, yeah, he has this sister who depends on him completely and, has some kind of disability. Um, do, do they ever mention, like, I know they talk about how they were in apartment fire and their dad died and all that, but, like, I don't remember if they say, like, whether something happened there and that's what her issue is. not explicitly, but they imply that, well, yeah. that she was injured in that fire and he's had to take care, take of, care her. of her. Right. I, I wasn't sure. So I wasn't necessarily, I clocked that initially, but I think I revised my opinion later that I thought his sister was just really young. Because Could be. he he mentions that when the apartment fire happened, she was still a baby. So that clocks him at about 10 years older than her. Right. Um, right. And, and he does say he's her legal guardian. Right. And right. And and they do use the term guardian, not like caretaker or something else. That's um, fair. So maybe she's like a teenager or something like that. Or something like that. Like, yeah. and, and, and I also initially thought he was playing someone much older. Like he, he's, he's effectively like a like a doctoral candidate or or a grad student. Um, and I thought he was like, you know, somebody in their late twenties, early thirties kind of a thing. I don't know how old the actor actually he's, is. He's 30. I just looked at okay. it. Yeah. So that's probably why I thought that. Um, right. but I think he's 
supposed to be playing someone considerably younger than that. Right. Um, which also threw me off a little bit. But that's that's what I think the situation is. Like, that was interesting meat for the character. Did it need to be in the movie? I'm not sure it did. Um, like, it, 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 like, it gave him... Like he has the most, he has the richest backstory, right? We we find the most out about him than anyone else. Um, to what end? I'm not entirely sure, um, because I, I guess it's supposed to make you feel for him at the at, in the moment where he's trying to decide if he should take his own life or not, right? Um, I guess I guess that's the reason. But it, it was just the the imbalance there of how much you learn about his backstory versus like none of anybody else's yeah um is interesting how do you guys think you would react if you woke up in space one day i'd fucking freak out the way he did well i mean like i i guess i have to assume that i'm also like someone who works with spacecraft the way that he kind (laughs) of does so like i'm not like just me because i would freak (laughs) the fuck out if i was just me like at least at least he would feel after he calmed down a little bit that it's like, okay, I haven't trained for this mission, but I, I at least know like what these instruments are and like know like how this like spaceship is laid out and stuff like that. But even, but, he, but even then I would feel immediately pretty like that's another issue I had with this movie. It's like the guy works on spaceships. Like the first thing I would think is like, oh fuck, do we have enough oxygen for me here? Like, cause you whatever i don't work at nasa but you have to assume that they've got everything planned down to the exact amount of things that they need i'd be like y'all got enough food for me and can we breathe on this thing because i mean it's it's one of the first things i would ever like it's one of the things i always like think about with these kinds of movies where it's like they take place in our universe so presumably they take place in a movie where like all the or or they take place in a universe where all those other movies existed and you would have like watched them and so it's like (laughs) the two things i would think are like that like right away even if i wasn't involved with space are like is there enough oxygen and what is our heat shielding like because those feel like (laughs) those feel like the two things that always go wrong (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness! So, um, other, um, you know, the, the 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 casting, like we said, is really good. Before we get to the ending, um, anything else that you guys want to mention that you felt like really worked, or kind of you know was was you know a strong point of the movie? Yeah, they did an excellent job of building tension and or getting uh, a feeling across with the music in the background. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the The music was fairly sparing, like it wasn't totally. it wasn't overbearing, but I felt like it was pretty good. It it came in at the right times, and yeah, I hadn't thought of that actually, Willie, but I, I I totally agree with you. Another there was a couple of monologues that were going on, and while they were going on, I'm like, this would be totally flat without the sound going on behind it. It was it was subtle, but it was subtle. It was yeah, like exactly. It wasn't like, on point. Yeah, it wasn't like soaring strings or something like that going on, like. You know, which which you have some movies that are like that. Totally. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention, um, Paul, you watched this before me and Willie did. And you mentioned at the time you, you had said that it was a short movie, which it really isn't. But you had mentioned that it's like, oh, I guess it kind of flew by. And it did seem to fly by, which was interesting because usually when movies fly by, they are full of like action. Like there's a lot going on and you're kind of being propelled from scene to scene. And this is not really that kind of movie. And yet I did feel like when it was done, it's it's pretty much it's just short at two hours. It has kind of long credits, so maybe it's more like an hour and 45 minutes. But um, 
it felt like it went by pretty quickly. I, I will say that, like from Agreed. yeah. So yeah, I mean, a, a lot does happen in the movie, right? It's not a quiet, contemplative like space like movie that you can sometimes get. Um, like they they are kind of pretty much going from like crisis to crisis, right? That you know they like they find the guy, they got to deal with the guy, then okay, we got to. You know, we got to fix the thing. We can't fix the thing. We got to grow the algae. Okay, well, the algae didn't work. We got to do this other, you know, and, and, and like they, all right, we got to kill the guy. Okay, we got to go get the O2. Okay, we got to deal with the storm. Like there really is a, it's not like an action movie, but there's a lot that happens. Yeah, in the movie. That, that is true. It just didn't feel like, um, like I keep coming back to those other two movies, but like in like the Martian or Apollo 13, it felt much more like, there is a crisis and we're all trying to work to this crisis. Okay. That crisis is over. Now there's this crisis that now we got to figure this out. And like for the next five, 10 minutes, it's all about like, you know, like fucking Gary Sinise trying to figure out if the power will come on in time. You know, if he does all the different switches or like, you know, like what, whatever it is, you know, that, that, that kind of right. thing. Whereas with this, like even with the things that were happening other than when they first find Michael and the climax of the movie, the last 25 minutes or so of the movie, like the rest of it still felt like it's like, yeah, stuff's happening in terms of like when you describe the plot, it's like that stuff is happening. But none of it feels like like when he's growing the algae, it's not like tense music of him. Like, I have to do this just right. And like, will it work? It's more like just showing him doing the algae and then later on right. showing that the algae died and they're all devastated. Um, So it was it was interesting that like without that kind of like tension or like propulsion that it still felt like it didn't drag. To, to me anyway the, the movie did not drag right well the way I, the way i would describe the pacing is like it's very the pacing is very constant and it's i not, agree with that yeah. it's not super slow it's not super fast and it doesn't do like the roller coaster like we have a big action movie okay now we're gonna have a quiet talking scene and then we're gonna have a big action piece and then you know like it doesn't do that it's just very constant and it just keeps you moving and the interesting thing is like you know you brought up like apollo 13 where they, they kind of move from crisis to crisis this movie, in its way, is all about just solving the first crisis right. and fail and like all the attempts to do it. And um, like, I, I'm not sure if we're supposed to think like they have another one right after this that we don't see, right? Like, or if crises keep coming up, I assume they kind of do, right? The rest of the the rest of the trip, um, it's not like they're in like 100% flying form at the end of the movie. Uh, but this movie is just like. What if the whole movie was just, you know, you mentioned like the CO2 scrubbing in Apollo 13. What if the whole movie was just figuring out that problem? Um, and th that in, a in and of itself is kind of an, int is an interesting take, but it does. I, but I also think that's why this movie does kind of move along, right? Like, right. It, again, it's, it's, it's a movie where a lot happens without, but the, but the a lot isn't action. Right, right. I mean, we, we did talk about the fact we don't know anything about most of these characters. It's not like they're sitting around a table talking for 20 minute scenes while we learn about their childhood. No, that's like true. That. We know we know very few things. We basically know that one went to Harvard, one went to Yale, that uh, that Daniel Day Kim's been working on a lot of research. And we get two stories, basically, like Michael's story about the apartment fire and um, Zoe Anna Kendrick's story about the um, saving the person in the or getting saved in the in the. Uh, beach or whatever when she's a lifeguard or whatever they call it not even not even a lifeguard she's on a watch i believe she says or something like that but yeah that's it and we we learn nothing about tony collette's character except that she's been in she's done two missions before and this is her last 
That's yep. literally the only thing we know about her. Um, yeah, that that is kind of interesting to think about because we definitely that that makes it quite different, I would say, from all of the other uh, movies and shows that we talked about. Because I think in all of them, you learn more. Even Gravity, I mean, you learn some a little more about Sandra Bullock's character in that movie. And that is a movie where she basically talks to no one except for George Clooney for about 15 minutes. I've never seen that movie. Ah, it's, it's, uh, you sh- I'm going to spoil it for you. Yeah. You should see it. It's a good movie. No, I do want to see it. Yeah. And, and it is, you know, when you talk about, like you said, shooting movie or how to shoot space movies or whatever, I would say that's probably the uh, like gold, that gold the standard. Movie. Yeah. I feel like it was the first one where they yeah. really figured it out. Yeah. It was the first one where you, you watched it at some point and you're just like, how the fuck did they film this? Like, yeah. how the fuck did they film this? Her but, floating there. Yeah. All right. So, but anyway, we're not, we're not, you wanted to talk about the end, right Willie. What I want to, I'm yes. curious what you wanted to say about the end. I'm getting really so tired of, um, we're spoiling the end, obviously, right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting really tired of these movies where, all that work is to accomplish the mission and we don't see if they accomplish the mission. It's, it's becoming a trend. They're like, and, and the end directors or writers or whoever are hand waving it and saying, no, 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 it was about them coming together to solve a problem. But like we talk about the mission a lot. Just let me know if they got, if the, if, if the mission had of like mission complete, you could just show them landing on fucking Mars. Well, in a, in a very fundamental way, the mission doesn't complete because, one of the scientists dies and the other one ruins his experiments trying to save their lives. Right, right. So the, the, the scientific value of the mission doesn't happen. Right. They call it, what do they call it in Apollo 13? Like at, at best it would be a successful failure. It, I think right. is what they they call it. It's successful in that they, you know, return safely, but a failure in that they did not land on the moon just, as they were supposed to. I'm just <laughs> seeing this over and over again now with the last couple space movies, which is like, hey, this is what they're trying to accomplish and and i and i start to get invested and care about the characters no i I know what you're saying it's like they're doing all this stuff so they can survive and we don't even know if they if they actually survive. survive all all we know is that that first problem that we talked about is now solved at least for the time being i mean there could be something else that goes wrong but at least as of the end of the movie they have enough oxygen for the three remaining people yeah, they on got the like another fucking Five months, months. Or something. yeah, yeah. They have, uh, yeah. They, yeah, five months to get to Mars, and then, and and they're now working with a crew of three, one of whom was not trained for the mission. There, there is right. that as well. And and the mission commander has a broken arm, and right, and and they lost their doctor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They have no doctor. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's 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 a good point. There is way. Like there's so much that could go wrong. Like they might not ever make it to Mars with what's going on. Who knows what they do once that, you know, they're, they're going to spend, I, I mean, there's a colony there. So I guess there are people there, I assume. On, I, on Mars. I thought so. Yeah. It was not entirely, entirely clear. Right. I, th- I think that framing that they use in the movie, <laughs> Willie would have worked better if Anna Kendrick had clearly been the main character. I agree. And Be- like, yeah. yeah. Be- because the end kind of reframes it as like, this was her story, but it really wasn't up until right. but but they kind of make it feel that way at the very end because you kind of put you know the, the last image is through her eyes it's kind of the last thing she sees basically is is the image of mars basically looking out towards mars um yeah i i, I it didn't bother me 
a lot, but I totally get your point when you, when you say it that way, that it's like, yeah, there is a little bit where it's weird to kind of like, you obviously feel sad for her, but it's like, is it like, well, she did it or it's like, you don't even know, like, like you don't right. really know if she did it or not. If and, she's and just, just quickly to be clear for people who haven't seen the movie and don't really care. Like there's a coronal mass ejection, tons of solar radiation. She, they only have, they don't have any tanks. They need one tank to have three people to survive. She decides, Anna Kendrick decides, I'm going to go into the radiation, get the tank, so, bring it back. It's a death sentence, but I will make sure the rest of the crew survives, which is effectively what happens. Right, right. She gets the oxygen tank back to the crew and yep. then basically spends her final moments outside um, looking, you know, out, out to space. Um, and it's sad. <laughs> it, it truly is. I would have let go so I could float away at least at the end. Yeah, right. Why not? You know, why, why not? Why not? I um, I do realize, um, this is this is me getting older and just less able to deal with this shit. But like, it's really because like <clears throat> the same shit happens in a tons of other movies where you are going outside. Like it happens in you know. Not to spoil it since it's the first fucking five minutes of the movie, but you know, gravity begins with astronauts out on a spacewalk or an EVA, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But like, watch, and I didn't feel anything there. <clears throat> that was like over 10 years ago. Um, but this, and also watching away, I feel like I feel like I am going to like die. And like when I'm watching them like <laughs> clutching on and like thinking that it's like, they miss that or like their muscles give way and they're just fucking float. They're dead. They're just floating out there. And I, I can't, I can't take it. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, I, I don't know if it's like for some reason, as I've gotten older, I like put myself way more in their shoes than I did when I was younger. But it's like, right. I feel myself being that person and just like feeling just the, how just terrified I would be. I, it's funny that you bring that up. Like I've also been watching the Apple TV show for all mankind, which is like an alt history show. Right. So th these are people on the moon in the seventies, like in, you know, Apollo era gear. And they're very cavalier walking around the moon in their space. Like they're kind of hopping around and, and like people go out by themselves. Um, and, you know, and it's like, and I agree with you. I always get anxiety and I, and it took me a while to realize the show doesn't want me to feel anxiety at this. Like they're not trying to build tension. They're just saying this is a thing that happens. And I'm like, but this is not a cavalier thing. This is not something you just do casually without thinking about it. Like you have, like you have to be so careful and these people are not being careful. Right. Right. Like, like in but this, that's not the point, like in this movie, like obviously they want me to feel tension when they are like sliding along the tether and all that kind of stuff. And they have the oxygen tank, like you said, and all that. But, like, even in the beginning, like, on that spacewalk when um, David and Zoe first go out, like, and they're on the roof of the MTS or whatever it is. And this is when they have full gravity. So it's like they don't really have to. But they're not holding on to anything. Like, they're just walking on that right. roof, which is, like, about as wide as my desk. Like, it's like one. It is one person can fit at one time. And it just feels like it's like I I can't like 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 I like like it's akin to like walking on like balance beam not a balance beam like a, a diving board wide balance beam like over like a pool or something i would feel fucking scared at that i mean not you know i wouldn't feel like i was gonna die obviously if i fell in a pool but like 
it feels like that. And it's just like, they feel, it just feels so cavalier. And like you said, I don't think I'm supposed to be, be feeling so much anxiety right now, not until they get onto that tether, but I do. Cause it's like, right. it just feels like there is nothing around you, like nothing at all. And I know they're trained to like, not hopefully not psychologically, not be as scared of that as I am. But I also feel like it just feels like good training to always fucking hold on to something always. And it, yeah, and, right. Like can we get they, a handrail? Can yes. we mix in a handrail yes. somewhere? They 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 make a big deal when they get to the center. Like, don't touch the solar panels or something. Right, you know, like, terrible will happen. And it's supposed to be and and they show the thing. And all I kept thinking of was it is there's so obvious like a, a thing there that you could be clipped into. There's like this long tube you could just wrap something around it. And yeah, not... there, it, there's like this scaffolding kind of like this like yeah, yeah this like triangular scaffolding in the middle. And, and meanwhile, they're just like floating past. And I think they even. Through. They they even have to because because they're in the center of a thing they have to like flip around 180 degrees to start going quote unquote down again right and they just kind of do that and again a very cavalier like if you just miss your hand you're floating off into space and you're gone right but- right right and there's the one part where they're in the middle of the solar ray and like you said there's no gravity and Zoe tells David like oh like like go ahead and let go I'll pull you in and it was just a thing where it's like I can do that and it's also a thing where it's like. I feel like if you had a clip, you wouldn't exactly need to do that, right? Like you just clip on over to the other person, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think yeah I think a lot of that stuff that we felt that anxiety for, I don't think you're supposed to. Like I don't. Right. Because right, but but it's just yeah. you know, and and that's you know that's not a fault. Well, in, in some some of the parts are maybe the an, an issue with the movie, but most of it is just me, like just feeling super anxious about this shit. But. Uh, all right, let's um, let's slap some grades on this movie. Um, why don't we uh, let's start with uh, Willie? Hmm. All right, I'm gonna give it a four out of five, but I'm also gonna say that you, if you give me six months or a year from now, I'll remember that the acting was good and won't remember anything about this movie. Yeah, I, I I I can see what you mean. I mean, we talked it's, it's, at, at the very beginning of this discussion. I think we, I think Paul had said like it's there are things that make it feel very generic in some ways. Like like you should see the movie. It was very good. It was enjoyable. It was fast. The acting was good. I won't remember anything about it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. That makes sense. That's like kind of a weird grade. It is a weird grade, other. but I I get it. I, I understand a, where you're coming it's from. A, it's a forgettable four. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever else I say, I agree with you, Willie. Like, this is not a movie that's going to stick in my brain, I think, probably for very long. But um, for me, this movie, for, for me, this movie's a two and a half. Um, that's kind of right down the line. There, there were enough things, like, I won't go over them again, but the, the things we talked about at the beginning that bothered me, they are spaced out throughout the movie. So kind of just when I was getting over one, then another one would happen and I'd get all worked up again. Um, um, but there was good stuff. The acting was good. The pacing was good. Um, you know, the, the idea is kind of, in, the idea is kind of interesting, right? It's yeah. um, like, well, what if this, what if this very straightforward thing happened and there was no twist, there was no like craziness there. It was just like, here's a problem and now you got to solve it. Um, and that, you know, and, and that much of it is, was interesting, but the other parts, you know, they didn't ruin the movie for me, but they did. It, it's hard for me to get past them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was wavering, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little closer to Paul than Willie. So I'm, I'm going to go with a three uh, out of five. And, and, and I think the thing that keeps me going from a three to a three and a half is probably what you said, Willie, which is that ultimately it's like not like while I liked it a decent amount watching it in the moment. And I would definitely recommend it as a watch to people, but partially because I think it flies by relatively. And so it's like, why not like watch it? It's not bad. And it's got really good acting and it won't be a slog. But I also feel like it's like there's not much for me to remember about this movie. Like, I don't think I'm going to use Stowaway as a reference point the way I use those <laughs> other movies. Like in three years from now, when we're watching some other space movie, I'm not going to be like, remember Stowaway? Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, it's going to be like, oh, oh yeah, I, nope, stowaway. I don't <laughs> like. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that's why. Yeah, that's why I think I go uh, three out of five. But uh, but I do still recommend it because i think that there's um there there's enough to to go with and like i said it it doesn't it doesn't feel like you i I don't think it feels like you like wasted two hours when you're done with the movie like there's there's enough in here that um is is quite interesting one other thing i just want to mention when when you were that occurred to me when you were talking paul is like one thing i like about this movie is that and maybe i'm forgetting something but all the bad things that happen in this movie, none of them are due to like a bad fucking decision on someone's part. Like, yeah, like Anna Kendrick slips and loses the oxygen. But I, I just view that as like, you know, it's just physical exhaustion kind of I mean, like shit's going to happen. But like nobody like makes like there's not there's not one thing where it's like, oh, like they fucked up, which happens in some of these movies where it's like, yeah, there's it's no all bad down crew member. Right. There's like, no like there, there's no evil one, or, there's, yeah. but there's also no like incompetent one or somebody who's like bullheaded and makes the wrong decision, which you have happened in not necessarily just space movies, but these kinds of movies where like you have a group of people and they're trying to accomplish a task in tight quarters or, you know, or something like that. And it like can only rely on each other. And there's like somebody who like fucks it up. And it didn't feel like there was anyone who fucked it up this time. I mean, Michael fucks it up by being there, but that's not really his fault. Um, and and he tries, you know, he he he's a good. Isn't it Nish? Isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, well, we can get into what the fuck happened there, like we said. But but yeah, I, it's I, not I, his fault. Yeah. Somebody locked him in that panel. Yeah, exactly. But so so that is another thing that I appreciated because I never love it when there's you know a person where it's like oh like they were just an asshole and that's why everything went wrong. Um, I feel like a, a, a movie that occurs to me that, that was the first movie I thought of for some reason that, that fits that is like Prometheus, which is like a movie just full of people being dumb assholes. And it's like, well, no wonder you all die. Like, like, like what the fuck were you all doing? Spoiler alert. Oh, uh, come on. <laughs> it's, it's not really spoiling that much. And not everybody necessarily dies. <laughs> All right, so I think we're done here. I think our, our work is done. <laughs> our dark work is finished. <laughs> That's right. Um, as usual, theoretically, we can be contacted in a few ways. <laughs> it, is, it is purely theoretical at this point, but um, you could test the theory, test your test our hypothesis by emailing us at talktopodflix at gmail.com, and we shall see if it is possible to make contact with us via email. Um, you could also tweet at us 
that I think has been proven to be something that can happen as we we know that we have a Twitter handle and mm-hmm. that's really all you need to be tweeted at. <laughs> yep, that Twitter handle is at Podflix. That's right. Have 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 the youth moved on from Twitter? Do we need a Snapchat or Instagram or something some other TikTok account? Yeah, I was gonna say like until you say TikTok, I feel like yeah, there's a decent chance the youths have moved on from all that <laughs> shit too. <laughs> Snap snaps the chat. Mm-hmm. Yes, is Snapchat Insta- still Insta-talk. a thing? Was was yeah, was, yeah it is. Totally. Okay, I mean I don't fucking know. I don't have Snapchat. I mean. Well, I was gonna I was gonna make a, a, a sweeping generalization, which was going to be that, you know, if if Twitter's Gen Xers, Snapchat, like all the like is was millennials, and then what what's what's after millennials? Gen Z, Zoomers, yeah, there, yeah, they're all that's all TikTok, and who knows For now? What's next. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Yeah. Like, is is I I don't think TikTok is like passe, right? I think TikTok's still huge right now. I, I'm. It's gigantic. Yeah. Literally, look at the people you're asking this to, Nish. I we, know, would have, I know. we would have no way of knowing. Right. I do. I have childs that are about that age where they're using TikTok. Using TikTok, huh? Are they doing viral dances? <laughs> like, yeah. one night? God, I sound like yeah. I'm fucking 65 years old. That's <laughs> how the kids communicate at with l- each other. At least I'm not referring to it as the TikTok. <laughs> that'll, that, that'll be the day when you can put me out to pasture and shoot me (laughs) and my last words will be oh boy